The Buffalo Bills get their third win in 12 days, taking down the Patriots 24-10. You are now listening to the Watering Buffalo Podcast with your hosts, Justin Goddard and Andrew Chang. Bills Mafia, welcome into another episode of the Wandering Buffalo Podcast. Uh, this is a show on the Buffalo Fan Base Podcast Network. Um, my name is Justin. I will be your host tonight. And before we get started, this show is brought to you by 26 Shirts. Uh, if you haven't done so already, um, check out 26 Shirts. We've been talking about them for a while now. Um, just some awesome t-shirt designs, um, some great work in the community that they're doing. Um, so like I said, go check them out. Guarantee you there's five, six, seven things you want to put in your cart right away. Uh, tonight we're going to be talking about the um, Bills win against the Patriots. Um, pretty huge win here. Um, not talking score or anything, just the implications of it. Um, it is the first division win for the Bills this season. Um, obviously early in the season that, you know, kind of weird game with Miami uh, where, you know, we got people heat stroking all over the place and still almost come away with that win. And then just an ugly loss to the Jets. And there's a lot of stuff going into that. And, you know, we say all, all the time on the show, you know, we're not here to make excuses for anything. Uh, a lot of factors playing into that Jets game, but definitely should have been a winnable game and definitely one that I'm sure the team would really like to have back. Um, all that being said, you know, with Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott always talking about um, success in a season starting with winning your own division, um, really put ourselves behind the eight ball early in that department. Um, so it's good to be able to take down the Patriots and get that first one. Um, great to do it in their stadium. We still get them back in Buffalo. Um, but to me, more important than any of that was the way the team was able to come through this three-week stretch um, with a 3-0 and record. And just a ton that goes into it. You know, losing a home game, having to... Um, go off to Detroit and play there due to the weather, kind of coming back, getting right back on the road. Um, you got back-to-back Thursday games, which, you know, at least there was a week in between. Um, I don't know about you all listening out there. I myself am an extreme creature of habit. Um, so even being on a Thursday rather than a Sunday and just you know, being a night game and what time are you eating your meals so you're feeling right for the game. All the little things going into it, um, not even including, you know, the weather issues and all that. Um, I don't think that it would have been out of the realm of possibility to give up one or two of these games and, you know, kind of fall back on the fact that there was such extenuating circumstances, injuries, sicknesses going through the team, you know, not practicing and I think this is the kind of stretch that can make a team much stronger uh, for the remainder of the season of how much <clears throat> how much adversity had to um, be overcome. And it, it's the stuff that, you know, 
when we're at the end of the year and we're looking at this stretch of games, it's not going to, you know, it's not going to be this, uh, like, jumping off point. Um, but the way that builds up with the team and how they come together and are able to get through times like this does matter. Um, so we're going to get right into talking about that game against the Patriots. And I'm going to start by saying that it feels absolutely wonderful every time we beat the Patriots. And I only really wish that we had this team that we have, this quarterback and Josh Allen, um, the coach, all that. I wish that we had that in a time when Brady was in the division um, because they, you know, they, they threw up the graphic and I think it was like Belichick in his years coaching the Patriots, something like 39 and six over his tenure as coach there. And, you know, four, four of those six wins are over like the last two years. Um, so it, well, it does feel good getting these wins. It, it has a little bit more sweetness to it just because of how long we got bullied by the Patriots. And I guess part of me, like for closure sake, kind of wishes that we had a couple years overlapping with Brady. So it, it could have been, you know, that the game of the year on everybody's calendar every time the two teams played. Um, does feel a little bit hollow beating up on like a shell of their former team, but Hey, that's a team that still won a bunch of games this year, still have one of the best coaches in the league and able to come out on top. So all good news there. Um, we're just start off with um, Josh Allen and he's starting to look more like himself to me. And, you know, it, it's easy to kind of lose that in this game if you're just kind of looking at the stat sheet because this this wasn't a crazy game from Josh Allen. Um 22 for 33, 223 yards, two touchdowns, um, nothing crazy on the ground. And I think part of how this game script went is why we don't have, you know, some bananas numbers from Josh Allen. Um, he wasn't really struggling by any means, but we actually saw some all-around complimentary football, and that's from offense to defense, run games, special teams, all kind of gelling together, and this is, for me, I would say probably the first time this year, maybe the second, that the run game was really kind of balanced with the passing game, and, you know, we're usually seeing Josh Allen get up to, you know, upper 30s, 40s in attempts, and uh, even if that's down a little bit and there's um, some run, some more run game involved there. We're not having the production on the ground, so it still ends up being, you know, some lofty numbers from Josh Allen passing yards wise, uh, because we get in situations where we can't control the clock, we can't control the rest of the game uh, with the ground game. So we end up, you know, throwing to to take another to get that score back. Um, in this game, I would say this is the best. Um, game that we saw from the running back room. And that has to start with James Cook today. And surprise kind of breakout game for, for Cook, in my opinion. Um, we've kind of been seeing him sprinkled in a little bit more uh, over the course of the last few games. You know, 
getting pretty close to like even touches with Singletary. Um, but that was really over like the last two weeks. And in this game, I don't know if it was the plan or if it was, you know, kind of just started riding the hot hand. But it seemed like this was kind of James Cook as as the lead back in this game. Um, there are so many times that we were in like a third down situation or whatever. And I'm looking at the backfield looking for Singletary and it's Cook in there. And for about half the game, I, I kind of had a little bit of like nerves, anxiety with that. Um, we've seen over the past few weeks, you know, James Cook not being exactly quarterback friendly. Um, some of the like going down on first contact, running between the tackles, um, definitely looking like he was taking steps. Um, but in my opinion, Singletary was still far ahead of him. And then we have this game. And to me, Cook like looked like he was an all-around running back. It wasn't just a speed guy. Um, he was running between the tackles. He was you know, going outside. He was not only contributing in the past game, he had six targets and he caught all six of them. He added 40 yard, uh, 41 yards there. And then in the ground game, his numbers were a little bit higher like for his average earlier in the game, but he still ends up with 14 carries for 64 yards, um, just a little bit over four yards per carry. And then you kind of lump that in with the game that Singletary had, and you know we're, we're over 100 yards on the ground between our running backs. You know, usually we get to the end of the game, we're like, yeah, you know, Buffalo's up there in, in rushing yards for the season, but it's usually like 60, 70 yards added from Allen, and then, you know, Singletary had 60 yards. In this game, our running backs ran the ball for over 100 yards, so that was encouraging to see. Um, Singletary, 13 carries for 51 yards, and was able to punch in a touchdown. Um, so with Singletary's contract coming up and kind of the uncertainty of, of what's going to happen next year at the position, uh, getting later into this season, it's nice to see Cook really seemingly taking a step. Let's see if that goes into the next game. Um, but that is a good Patriots defense that he did it against. Um, so hopefully kind of like a, a switch just flipped for him and, this weapon that we ex we are all excited to have coming out of the draft. Um, hopefully that's, you know, something that we other teams have been sleeping on throughout the season. He just kind of starts breaking out at the right time, and we have just this weapon that we can pull out of the holster in the playoffs. Uh, the receivers, this was kind of, kind of followed the, the script of what we've seen in the past few weeks, and as in it was kind of digs and not a ton else. Um, Diggs ends up uh, seven catches on nine targets for 92 yards and a touchdown. Um, classic Diggs game, you know. <laughs> He's seemingly averaging like about 100 yards and a touchdown at least every week. Um, it gets easy to kind of take that for granted. I've talked so many times on this show about how I often watch the game and I don't really feel like Diggs is having a big day um, because it's just so routine. Um, and it's it's usually, you know, adding up on 
a few shorter quick slants and he gets, you know, five, eight, ten yards, and then there's one that goes over the top, and then there's some ridiculous grab. Uh, Stefan Diggs is like clockwork. Every time I see him step on the field, I expect 100 yards out of him. And this is coming against a Bill Belichick defense that historically loves taking away what you do best. And there's no way they can come into this game and not think what the Bills do best is Allen to Diggs. Um, So knowing that, still not much they could do to slow him down. I think those numbers would have been even you know, more inflated if this game was closer and, you know, the, the Patriots are kind of pressing us a little bit. Um, but with the Patriots lackluster offense, it, it wasn't really a day that Diggs and Allen had to go ham. Um, and then when I'm talking about the receivers kind of having a, a humdrum day outside of Diggs, I will give McKenzie some props here. Um, not the most, you know, eye popping numbers, But the big thing for me with McKenzie in this game is he was targeted five times and he caught all five balls. Um, He puts up 44 yards. And the thing that I liked about this game from McKenzie is he was efficient. Um, There was catches where he was moving the chains. um, And most importantly to me, the the going five for five. Um, We've seen him have, you know, some drops issues. things of that nature, ball security issues. Um, he protected the ball and he caught every pass that was thrown his way. Um, so kudos to McKenzie on that. Um, also had the one play where, uh, he caught it along the sideline and to me, it looked like nobody touched him down. He got up and and kept running. I, I thought he should have those yards. So I'm putting it at like 52 yards for him. Um, obviously it doesn't end up mattering, but it matters to me, McKenzie. Um, so I thought he had a, a pretty good week. And that's kind of the production that I expect out of, you know, a third, fourth option on this team. Um, so that that was pretty good for me to see. What's concerning for me is the, the players that I expect to be the number two and number three options in this passing game um, would be Gabe Davis and Dawson Knox. And I would expect... I came into the season expecting McKenzie to be able to kind of keep that gadget role and not need to be relied upon in the passing game. And honestly, with the players that we had ahead of him, I thought this was going to kind of be a numbers game where the targets just don't exist for him. Uh, But kind of disappointing uh, seasons continue for Davis and uh, Knox and... Knox, I feel like, is more a product of not really getting play calls and not just not being a focal point in this offense, which is kind of confusing to me. You know, you give the guy a boatload of money and he gets one target in this game. And I don't know if that's Dorsey play calling. I don't know if you know, he's not getting separation from the plays. I can see it looks like he's getting some separation. Um, but in this game, he's only targeted one time and he drops the pass. And it was a very frustrating drop because it looked like it was going for a first down. Um, but what, what made it more frustrating for me is like Josh is standing back there staring down the barrel of like four players hitting him simultaneously. 
and he somehow gets this ball out to Knox, puts it like right at his hands helmet level and just like bops him right in the head and goes up in the air. Um, so I would like to see him more involved in, in the offense. I think you have this dynamic athlete at tight end that can be a mismatch nightmare and we're just failing to exploit that in my opinion. And then Gabe Davis, I don't know, man. Uh, just not the same type of reliable Davis that we got used to last year. And only comes away with this from this game with two catches and 15 yards. Um, he was targeted seven times. Um, so are trying to get him involved in the offense. Josh is looking his way. Um, there's a couple throws that were kind of like, you know, low and away that he isn't able to haul in. Um, but kind of think we have to be honest and say that, you know, maybe, and I know that it's not everybody. I know there's a lot of people out there in Bill's Mafia that did not think Gabe Davis was ready for, you know, a, a full-time number two role. Um, I personally, I did think he was ready. Um, I did think there, you know, some of the things that went into his numbers last year, uh, came from the benefit of being, you know, a third, fourth option behind Diggs, Beasley, um, Emmanuel Sanders. And then it's kind of like amongst covering all those guys, you, you kind of forget that you got to cover Gabe Davis too. And, um, he's big bodied physical. He makes plays off a script. Uh, this kind of makes me wonder if there's if if this had a lot to do with you know bringing in a John Brown, um, if it has something to do with why they're looking at OBJ, um, talking about maybe Crowder returning this season, you know, if we if we have to kind of take a step back and be like you know, maybe we can just get a lot of production out of Gabe Davis if he's the number three. I I don't care where they're ordered on the depth chart. Um, you know, if, if we can bring in John Brown and he can kind of stretch the field vertically and, uh, give some breathing room for a guy like Gabe Davis, I'm perfectly okay with that. Um, personally, not all in on the Odell Beckham, uh, idea. Uh, I'm not going to be upset if they bring him in, um, I, I just don't know how I feel about a receiver coming off his second ACL, um, coming in and being that impact guy. Uh, I, I'm glad they're kicking tires on it because I do think we need to do something at the receiver position. Uh, but when we get into how tight the bills are against the cap, there there's guys in house that we got to find a way to take care of. And I'm going to touch on that a little bit in our second segment here. Um, yeah, just just some guys that I want to take care of on the team before I rush into, you know, adding a receiver that we don't even really know where his health is at right now and, you know, how much he's going to be able to contribute this year if he is brought in. Um, so that being said, I'm recording this on Sunday afternoon. Um, OBJ was in for a visit on Friday. Haven't really heard much about it, to be honest. Um, seems like they're staying pretty tight-lipped on this. Um, so 
I believe he said he was making a decision sometime towards the middle of this week. So by the time we get to the around to the next episode, we'll, we'll probably have some news on that. Um, we'll take it from there. And I'm going to finish up with the offensive line here. I definitely think they struggled today, and I don't think there's a ton of people that would have looked at this game going in and expected not to have some struggles. Uh, I thought the I thought the interior of the, of the offensive line played pretty well, um, and on the bookends we we had some struggles. And Questenberry, I I feel bad kind of lumping on him. Um, because he did, you know, play his heart out. Um, he was playing through injuries. He was all taped up. Um, he was playing out of position on the opposite side of the line he usually plays. And uh, kind of hung in there and I guess did the best he could. Um, that being said, he had problems with Uche all day. Um, completely whiffed on a couple blocks. Um, there was a play where he was just falling backwards. And like I said, I, I don't want to like sit here and roast Questenberry because it's a, it's a tough position to be put in, um, with all those factors that I just listed off. This is just my, uh, I'm ready for the snowman to come back. I hope Dawkins doesn't miss very much time. Um, because it, it was, it was a pretty obvious downgrade there. And um, just a position that, you know, we've, we've seen Dawkins have his struggles at times. Um, but for the most part, he keeps the blind side pretty clean. Um, so just hoping we get Dawkins back fairly soon. On the other side of the line, um, Spencer Brown, I thought, also struggled with, with Judon. And, you know, this isn't... I, I guess it's not like an indictment on Spencer Brown's. Um, Judon is, you know, right up there with tops of the league in sack production. Uh, he's been a monster for years in the NFL. Um, but this is kind of what we've seen from Spencer Brown. He has, you know, some really high level plays and then he'll have some plays where he just gets beat. And I'd like to see him come down somewhere in the middle of that and just kind of be more consistent. Um, Still a young player out there. He's also dealt with a lot of injuries of his own. Um, but definitely a day where he struggled. And Josh Allen ends up getting sacked twice in this game. And I think this is another one where if you were just looking at, you know, the raw numbers, you would, you know, think that they kept him pretty clean. Um, but when you're watching the game, you see how many times Josh Allen was able to escape the pocket and keep plays alive with his legs and not necessarily running, but just, you know, kind of step up, um, move, move left, move to right, and kind of just avoid these guys basically coming free at him. And I think in a game like this, if you had like 90% of order other quarterbacks in the league, that sack number is at like six or seven because these edge guys were getting after Josh all day. Uh, but that's going to wrap it up for the offensive side of the ball. We're going to take a quick break and hear from uh, one of our new sponsors, uh, Betstamp. Um, if you haven't checked out Betstamp at all, 
Um, they just offer some some great insights into some gambling lines. Um, you know, gambling is legal in New York now, so they really offer a bunch of tools to make it efficient for you and kind of get the best bang for your buck. Um, so go ahead and check out BetStamp. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Bills Mafia, it's your boy Justin from the Wandering Buffalo Podcast here for our friends over at BetStamp. If you're not familiar with BetStamp, it is a line shopping app for all sports betting um, that's going to help you get the best odds when you're placing a bet. Uh, so think of BetStamp as like a Trivago or Expedia for placing bets. Um, so it's going to search across all the major um, betting platforms and make sure you're getting the best odds. Um, so if you're going to be doing sports betting anyways, why stick to one gambling app when you could get better odds going across multiple platforms? Uh, you want to make sure you're getting the most return on your investment. BetStamp also lets you track all your previous bet history, uh, see what's working for you, uh, what's not working, what trends may be emerging. Uh, make sure that you're making the most educated bets you can going forward. Uh, check out BetStamp today and start cashing in on your bets tomorrow. Hey, this is Dick DeGroat, Bill's dad. Now back to the show. Bills Mafia, welcome back in, and thank you again for joining me on today's episode of the Wandering Buffalo Podcast. Um, we're going to wrap up tonight's episode and just quickly touch on the special teams and then move into the defense. Um, and the special teams in this game, just real quick, I, I've seen a lot of explosive plays from Naheem Hines since we brought him over, and I, I just wanted to touch on the fact that I did not think this was his best game. I was pretty unimpressed. Um, his average kick return in this game was 13 yard. Um, average punt return was two yards. Uh, I know offensively he did add in, you know, that 20 plus yard catch from the little scary shovel pass that Josh, um, uh, had, I think it was in the first quarter. Um, I'm not expecting every, you know, special teams return opportunity to be a 40, 50 yard return. I will say he's doing the most important thing to me and that's keeping the ball safe and making sure it ends back up in the offense's hands, Josh Allen's hands. Um, but for a guy that, you know, we seemingly mostly brought over for special teams, uh, those averages are pretty low to me. Um, like I said, I've overall been pleased with him since we brought him over, at least in those areas. Um, so hopefully this is just kind of a blip and, and we see a little bit more production there going forward. Um, I'm going to continue to have no complaints on Sam Martin. There was his one punt that looked like it was a roughing the kicker, running into the kicker, something like that. Um, wasn't really talked about on the broadcast very much. I watched the game again. I don't know how there wasn't a penalty there, but it um, looked like he got a little bit banged up but was able to finish the game. So hopefully there's nothing lingering there. Um, this late into the season, I don't want to start playing with a new punter. Uh, mostly for, you know, you know all the conversations we had last year about, like, are they a good holder? You know, if we bring in somebody to replace Hawk, he's got to be a good holder. I've heard no conversations this year about um if my punter is good or bad at holding um it's just kind of not something we talk about anymore um 
and his punts are a-okay with me. Um, so biggest thing there is I'm hoping that he doesn't have any sort of injury that we have to deal with um, headed into the critical points of the season. Um, Bass continues to have a great season. Um, hits the only field goal he kicked, 48 yards, and 3-for-3 three three on uh, PATs. So very little complaints about Bass this year and you know even the misses that he has had. You know, nobody's perfect, and he's had a damn good season so far. A um, lot of confidence in Bass if we get into a situation where we need a clutch field goal. Uh, defensively, you know, outside of one kind of fluky play to Marcus Jones, they pretty much shut down the Patriots all day. Um, did give up some yards, but nothing crazy. Um uh, and honestly, there there was some blown assignments on that Marcus Jones play. Um, the biggest thing for me is, you know, you've been watching film on the Patriots, and you <laughs> you haven't seen Marcus Jones line up on offense at all. Uh, it it was his first offensive snap of the season. Um, so for me, easier said than done. I'm sure that dude is stupid fast. Um, but just kind of seeing him come into the for- formation, you know should have sent off a, a lot of alarms for the players out there. Um, maybe the coaches on the s- sideline should have done a quick timeout. I don't really know the answer, and you know we end up winning pretty comfortably. So I'm, I'm not going to dwell on it for too long. Um, but, yeah, going forward, if you, see, if you see a guy line up on offense that hasn't been there all year, um, that's also, you know, the return specialist that had a walk-off return for a win maybe we throw a couple eyeballs on him he's probably going to do something um but i thought the defensive line had a good very good game uh, minus von miller um definitely a lot of concerns going into this stretch um just having back-to-back-to-back division games and you know losing our superstar edge rusher going into that uh, now, fortunately, we were dealing with injuries with Epinesa and um, Groot previously, previous to the Miller injury. So fortunately, they were able to come back and we had um, not just depth there, but players that we've invested high picks in um, to kind of come fill the role. Um, but I'll say my my most pleasant surprise of this group is sh- continues to be Shaq Lawson and um, in a position where Miller goes out, it's Lawson that got the nod for the start, um, on the other side of Groot. Um, and I think that says a lot about who he is as, as a player, um, uh, how much trust the coaching staff has with him. He's just such a fundamental player. He's, uh, he's great in the run game. He's always, spo- he always is where he's supposed to be. He brings some juice with Jordan Phillips. I love seeing him out there. I was super psyched when they brought him back, and I really couldn't be more pleased with the player that he's been this year. And does he make me feel better about losing Von Miller for at least four weeks? I'm not going to go that far. Um, but when he's put into the game, I trust him. It doesn't you know, really feel like a reserve guy. And we're talking about you know, prior to Miller being injured, 
he's your fourth, fifth defensive end on this team, depending on which order you put it. Um, so I'm, I'm glad to see the production that we've had out of him. Um, overall, I mean, they're definitely more uh, dangerous with Von Miller in there, but they were still getting after Mac Jones a lot. And my biggest complaint with the, with the defensive line in this game is how many times (laughs) Mac Jones was just like running for miles behind the line of scrimmage and was able to get the ball away. We weren't able to come away with the sack and, you know, we're not talking, you know, Lamar Jackson or Barry Sanders back there that you're trying to bring down. It's, it's Mike Jones. I'm not saying I could do it, but uh, it, it just seemed like they had to like coordinate and kind of corner him in and finish off the sack. But again, not going to have too many complaints when you held a team to 10 points over the course of a football game. And I thought they also did a, a great job uh, in coordination with the linebackers, um, kind of stuffing the run game. Um, Ramondre Stevenson had, I believe it was 51 yards on 10 carries. Um, so you are giving up a decent average there. Um, that being said, Stevenson is an absolute machine. He's a tank. He's really emerged as, as a real focal point of this, um, Patriots offense. And, yeah, you allowed, uh, allowed five yards per carry, but you also stopped him from uh, being like a key cog. And, you know, if he was ripping off 10-yard runs in the beginning of the game, uh, it would kind of stop the Patriots from being able to go away from that regardless of the score. Um, that being said, the defense handled their business early and kind of made the Patriots one-dimensional. And in a game where you're asking... Mac Jones to to kind of go toe to toe with Josh Allen. I'm gonna take my guy seven days a week. Uh, kind of just mentioned the linebackers a little bit, um, but I thought Milano and Edmonds both had great days again. Um, if you go all the way back to um, last year's last season's episodes, uh, you will remember that I was a, a bit of an Edmonds naysayer and. I still have some reservations, um, and it, it's a lot to do um, with the size of the contract that I think he's going to demand and the position itself. Uh, but I think the player, we're finally able to see him play with that defensive line in front of him like we've been looking for for years. And I think he's really thriving this year. You know, we've always known what... Um, what he contributed to the past defense and his size and his length and the space he eats up and, you know, the throws that he makes quarterbacks not make that, you know, don't always show up on the TV. Um, but I, th- I think the biggest difference for me this year is being kept a little bit clean. He's meeting running backs in the hole behind the line of scrimmage at the line of scrimmage. Um, I think particular, particularly, towards the second half of the season. So like the last, obviously he missed a couple games, but the last few games that he's been healthy and going into this game, you just see the different uh, defense look different when he's out there um, and paired up with Milano, who 
what else can we say about Milano? He's he's everywhere. Um, he's having an all pro season, and the two of them are playing really well off each other. Kind of reminds me of how we always talk about uh, Poyer and Hyde, and you know how great each of the players are individually, but how it kind of turns exponential when they're working together. Uh, and that moves us into the secondary, and I thought overall the group looked pretty good. Um, I am going to not ride too high on this um, because I, I just think that the defense was able to make Mac Jones or the Patriots kind of one-dimensional, and I, I don't think Mac Jones is is that dude yet. Not sure if he'll become that dude. Um but when it's, you know, kind of becomes obvious passing situations for like the entire second half, uh, I it's just not a not a quarterback that I'm concerned with, you know, torching very many teams. Um, that being said, overall, they did what they had to do. They kept him in check. Um, it's really great to see Trey White getting out there. Um, he logged about 66% of the snaps. Um, it's Great to see him, you know, getting involved with some of the tackling and the contact. Um, it's, I'll, I'll say it's great to see him get up after that. <laughs> um, it's probably going to last a while for me that, you know, every time I see him go in, get involved with the tackle, that I'm going to hold my breath a little bit. Um, I think he means so much to this defense and is so integral for what we do as a defense that, there's some situations where I'm looking at him like, ah, I wish we just gave him four, five more yards so he didn't have to make a tackle. But uh, the more I see him getting involved, um, taking players down, the more I'm you know, confident that he is where he needs to be health-wise. And I have to remind myself that the team was very cautious with bringing him back. They really let him take his time. Um, so have to be pretty confident that he's you know, as close to a hundred percent as we can expect him to get. Um, on the other side, opposite of Trey white, got to talk about Kyir Elam. Um, so obviously he was a healthy scratch in this game, um, which to me was kind of head scratching a little immediately concerning. And, you know, I, I've heard all kinds of theories as to, you know, what's why this would be. And, I guess the one that McDermott ends up saying is that, you know, they wanted to see what they had in Xavier Rhodes. That's kind of fine and all. Um, you know, we, we've had our secondary death tested this season. Seems like to me, though, going into a division game when we haven't won a division game yet, um, trying to figure out what you have in a depth rotation guy that's been on your practice squad seems like a sketchy time to do that. And then the other side of the coin for, for me there is, you know, we've seen some from Elam, but he is also, you know, a rookie that hasn't got a ton of playing time. He's also dealt with injuries. Uh, you're interested in seeing what you have in Rhodes. I'm interested in seeing what we have in Elam. So, I also heard some people talk about, you know, 
maybe this was like a game plan specific thing. You know, the 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 Patriots have two good good tight ends in Jonu Smith and uh, Hunter Henry, and they like to run the ball. Um, maybe it was a you know a tailored move to to kind of anticipate the needs of the like a run heavy tight end heavy game plan. Um, my answer to that is also like you drafted the guy in the first round. Um, if you got to kind of put him on the bench to play the matchup games, that's, that's a bigger concern to me. Um, so there's probably something going on here a little bit more in depth that we don't know. So I'm just kind of left here speculating, but a little bit concerning to me that, you know, almost a full season into the rookie year, we see in the same week, um, James Cook kind of take this take this step and be given this opportunity from the coaching staff to take on a little bit more work. And in the same week, our first round pick from the same draft um, is a healthy scratch. Um, so something to keep an eye on as we move through the end of the season. It, it's also, you know, a situation to me. We'll get to Dane Jackson here. I thought he was had a better game today. Um, but we also have seen, you know, Benford go to the injured reserve. And we've seen Dane Jackson struggle. Um, just can't wrap my my head around having Elam inactive in this game. I'm I'm still trying to figure it out. But we'll move on from that. Um, Taron Johnson. I uh, I just want to bring him up here because I I feel like I don't talk about Taron Johnson enough on this show, and I feel like it becomes kind of easy to do because he's. There's a lot of games where his name isn't called a ton, and that's because he's out there doing his job, right? Um, kind of a no news is good news type deal, and I, I, I've done this with Trey White in the past where you kind of forget what a great game they have because they're just kind of shutting the guy down so you don't hear their name called out very often. Um, but Taron Johnson has had a little bit of ups and downs this season. Um but overall, I thought he had a, a pretty good game out there, too. And then moving into the safeties, start with DeMar Hamlin. Um, there, there are some things that he leaves on the table for me. Um, but overall, I've been very, very impressed with Hamlin this season, uh, filling in for Micah Hyde. And he, he's by no means a one-for-one -one replacement for Micah Hyde. I think there might be like two, three safeties in the game that could be that one-for-one one replacement. Um, but he he isn't like this glaring weakness on our defense that's getting targeted and, and bullied week in and week out. Um, he's got a great downhill trigger in the run game, and overall he's he's been pretty good in the passing game. Definitely some you know miscues along the way. Um, but overall been very pleased with with his play and if nothing else we get to finish out his I would love to see him finish out his rookie contract as you know depth behind um Hyde and then possibly you know a long-term replacement if Hyde retires whatever like that uh I'm starting to get a little bit more comfortable with that idea that's kind of you know macro level not in season um but when Hyde initially went down, I was like, we're screwed. This is going to be terrible. 
and it has been terrible at times, but for the most part, I think he's filled in nicely. And that's going to bring me to my last player I want to talk about. And I intentionally saved this player for last tonight. Um, Jordan Poyer, man, he has been soldiering through injuries. He's had the messed up elbow. You know, he did miss a little bit of time, but this dude is coming in and balling week in and week out. And Brandon Bean, I said this last week, man. I'm going to keep saying it. I know you don't listen to the show. Maybe you will turn tune in one day and you'll be like, that guy's right. We got to find a way to pay Jordan Poyer. And I know we have contracts coming up. I know he's kind of uh, an aging player at a position that's kind of become a little undervalued. Like It's been like undervalued while simultaneously players are getting huge contracts. Um, I don't know exactly what kind of numbers they're talking, um, that they haven't gotten something done. I would love to see another two, three years out of, out of Poyer and Hyde together and just kind of what that dynamic brings to the defense. And he's just involved in like every play. He's always around the ball. Um, he's great in run support. I don't care what the final box score says. He came away from this game with another interception. If that's not a catch, I don't know what is a catch. So therefore I don't know what a catch is, but absolutely playing lights out football. And I talked earlier about, you know, certainly feeling the difference when, um, Milano and Edmonds or Miller aren't out there. These are all players that we've played games without this season. And, I still feel like I have felt it the most when Jordan Poyer's not in there. Um, so we we saw him go down with injuries, and we tried to replace him with depth, and it did not happen. Um, the answer is not on this team. I don't want to try to find the answer next year in the offseason. Give me, give me two, three more years of Poyer, Brandon Bean. I, I need it. Um, but that's going to do it for today's episode. I want to thank you again for joining us tonight. Uh, I want to thank our sponsors, uh, 26 Shirts and Betstamp, for bringing you this episode. And if you've made it this far, it would mean a lot to us if you took a second to uh, rate, review, share the podcast with a friend. Uh, it really helps us out with what we're doing here. Uh, we will be back next week. Um, Next Monday, we drop every Monday, so make sure you're subscribed so you're not missing any episodes. Uh, Once again, my name is Justin. If you ever want to hit me up, any questions for the show, anything you'd like us to talk about, uh, you can hit me up at jgods22 or search up the podcast by looking for The Wandering Buffalo. That's going to wrap it up for today. Thank you for joining me, and go Bills! Go Bills!